Welcome to the Abbot Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. All right. Well, happy Father's Day, all y'all fathers out there. We're going to just pray a special blessing over all the dads. Eleanor, you come. We invited Eleanor Roll to prophesy. Well, pro- pray. pray prophesy is that a thing? Over everybody here. So let's just get ready to receive. This portion of this service, I just, um, as Pastor Josh asked me to pray a blessing over the fathers, I feel at this portion, we'll pray a blessing over the fathers, but towards the end of the service, there's going to be a healing for those who have been hurt by your natural and your spiritual fathers. And the scripture that the Lord gave me was out of Ephesians 6. Honor your fathers and your mothers, for this is the only commandment that he gives to us that we will live long and prosper and be in good health. So right now, I just want to declare and decree a father's blessing even over each and every one of you here, not only sitting here in this in these four walls, but even over those uh, out in the airways, those that would hear the sound of my voice. I just declare a father's blessing unto you that you would be a father first and foremost from the Abba Father would send you a blessing today, that he would cause you to live long and prosper, that you would even uh, walk out the rest of your days with a father's heart, that you would forgive yourselves, that you would forgive those around you, that you would forgive your fathers, the natural and spiritual fathers, that you would even be restored to your children, that you would be restored to your fathers, that you would live long and prosper even in your household that you would walk with integrity, that you would walk with wisdom, that you would flourish in your homes, that you would flourish on your jobs, that you would even walk with forgiveness and loving kindness and tender mercies, that you would walk with a wisdom from heaven that comes with the peaceable fruit of righteousness and holiness and integrity and, and peace. So, Lord, I just thank you, and I praise you, God, and I just want to honor my husband today, who is a father of all of my children, and I honor my father, father who is in heaven today, my natural father. I want to honor the pastor of this house. I want to honor Dick Benjamin. I want to honor Chuck Pierce, and those who have been fathers in my life, I just honor you today, and we just declare and decree a blessing over each and every father here. Uh, in this church, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Amen. I receive that. You receive it? All right. Well, I'm going to finish the, uh, my, the series on authority today. And, um, but before we do that, we're going to just do a little recap. You guys like recaps? Recap. All right. So we're going to recap this series here. Um, God created authority, all right? So we can hit that on the slides back there. So God created authority. You have to know where authority comes from, right? And God has all the authority. So when you get some, it doesn't belong to you. Authority is about stewardship. Stewardship always has accountability. The master comes back to check on what he entrusted to you, but it belongs to him. 
Amen? So there's a fear, an appropriate fear of the authority that God entrusts to us to use properly, use well, to steward well, so that when the master comes back, he finds us faithful. Amen? All right, so God has created the authority, has all the authority. You and I are only stewards of God's authority. You have authority because you are in it. You don't get any authority unless you're in authority. That means with submission comes empowerment. You first are submitted to the Lord, right? As we become leaders in the kingdom, we are submitted to elders, pastors, other leaders that God has entrusted or men and women have then been given authority in and they're able to be in authority and submitted so then they're able to delegate more authority for you to be in. And it just continues to work its way out from there. Okay, authority has purpose. And its purpose is to create movement of teams in the body of Christ. Authority creates movement. It isn't just so people can be bossy pantses. Authority is not about significance. Just set on that for a second. Authority is not about your significance. If you find significance in authority, you have now become a bad steward because it doesn't belong to you. Your crown your th- your, that you get, you lay down, no matter how awesome and glorious it is, when you get to heaven, you lay it down before the king of kings. It has no value. Significance is something we give to the Lord. If I be high and lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. It isn't about your significance. Your significance is found only in your identity in the Lord. And that's why when you see him as the primary authority, giver, possessor, entruster, then the significance is about being found in him, not in whatever position of authority you're given. Come on. Pastor Reed's like, we're going to get better at this. Amen. Amen. If you miss that point, you're jacked up, okay? You are off track. You will never operate well in the kingdom. Authority has a purpose. Its purpose is to create movement, not significance. Its purpose is to create movement, not significance. Satan has a plan for authority. His plan is to steal, kill, and destroy all authority, all of God's movement, all of the movement in the kingdom, he wants to disrupt and destroy. His primary way he does that is through division and divisiveness, splitting authority, splitting families, splitting churches. That's how he does it, by diffusing the multiplicational power that comes through healthy and godly and right-given authority. You being hurt by authority does not give you the power to change something that God made good to now be bad just because you're hurt does not change the laws of physics in this world your hurt doesn't have the power to shift what god made good like in marriage god made marriage he said it's good it's to be between a man and a woman this is good because you get hurt in marriage doesn't mean now all marriage is bad And, well, marriage must be stupid and messed up because it stinks and it hurts, so I'm going to do whatever I want in marriage. 
thumbs down. Not going to work out. You don't get to change the laws of gravity because you fall off a ladder and get hurt. Well, now gravity's bad, so I'm going to change the laws of physics. You have no power over that. Your hurt does not get to define what is good or bad in this world. Participating in the nature of the devil is never the answer to dealing with bad authority. Well, you guys are terrible at authority, so I'm going to act like a demon. That'll solve all the problems. No. You're going to mess more stuff up. Don't act like the devil because you're mad and you're hurt. You have options in the kingdom if you are around or submitted to a bad authority. You can run, you can be silent, you can submit, you can appeal in a godly way, or you can ask God for a reassignment. But you don't get to act like the devil. You don't get to create division. If you create division, you're partnering with the devil. I must say this before I even preach this message is that if you want to create division in this church, please, get up right now and just walk out. I, we don't want you here. God bless you. We love you. But I don't want to participate in division. If you want to lead and, and love and, and, and be in unity, listen, stay. If you're hurt in authority, find healing. But don't create disruption. We're not going to do division and divisiveness. We're going to do multiplication in the kingdom here. We're going to do love. We're going to do honor. We're going to do respect. We're going to do righteousness. But if you have divisiveness in your heart and you want to partner and act like the devil, please, just go do it in somebody else's church. I don't need that many people in here. My significance is not derived from how many people come and sit in this room. I'm going to stand before the Father in heaven. And I want him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And that's not about how many people come here and sit in this church. Come on. Just find healing. Find healing in your heart. But don't partner with the enemy and disrupt what God wants to do and call that righteousness. Whew. Anybody feel that? 1 Corinthians 1.10. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. By the authority of the Lord Jesus. Is Jesus the head of the church? He better be. Well, we're just a weird club. <laughs> Live in harmony. That means in perfect movement together. When I move, it creates a perfect movement in you. When you move, it reflects a perfect harmony and balance with what I do. Like in music, when two notes work together and it amplifies, it actually magnifies the beauty of something that God made. And we get to operate like that together. Does that make... Does, does that mean that I get to behave like a monster as a leader? And the leaders that I empower, does that mean they get to behave like idiots and monsters too? And we say that's all good? No. 
Authority needs to operate in a godly way and build trust with people. And people that follow and submit and lead in authority need to also operate in a godly way so that we work together and we make a beautiful song. And multiplication will take place in the kingdom when we do this. We're going to win, all right? We're going to learn how to win with authority, not work against. Working against authority causes division and diminishes the power in the kingdom. But winning with authority causes harmony harmony and unity in the body of Christ. And when that comes, multiplication comes. I want to win. I kind of don't like to lose. I like to win. And I don't want to win for my own significance. I want to win because I want to be found faithful. So let's live in harmony with each other. Let there be no... No, not just, oh, some small ones will be okay. Let there be no division in the church. Here's how you beat it. Rather, be of one mind. How can, that, how can you be of one mind? We first have the mind of Christ because he's the pre- supreme and ultimate authority. And he says this is the law that you have to follow, the law of love. Love does what? Builds up, covers, fixes, binds together, brings together. Love never tears down, diminishes, or diffuses the synergy in the body of Christ. Never. Love never speaks bad about another person. Love doesn't gossip. Love doesn't slander. Love builds up. If you and I can learn to love, we can learn to be of one mind. But if we don't learn how to love, we will never learn how to be of one mind, one spirit, one purpose. And we will never participate in the multiplicational movement in the kingdom. We're just going to be average churches that bump along. I want to see the city transformed, the state transformed by the power and the love of God. I want to see a revival in the spirit of Christ pouring out on an unstoppable force of his love and momentum. But that's going to come through godly and healthy authority that moves the church. We won't get there if we don't learn how to become of one mind. And that one mind also, in love, is going to come through visionary leadership driven through the church. One mind. If we want to win, we have to buy in to submission. It has to become a beautiful thing in our heart. It has to become something that creates safety. And if we cannot feel that in our life, we need healing. We need something to be repaired. We don't just run from it. We need to run into that pain, that disruption. Why do we feel the way we feel about authority? If we understand it's bad to hate and see authority as broken or wrong or not good, and and it causes dysfunction going on and we start to freak out inside. If that's going on inside of us and we think of submitting to authority, there means there's something broken in here that needs to get fixed because God made authority and it's good. And if we want to be a part of the multiplication of the kingdom, we have to be submitted in it. We have to be submitted to the vision that God gives through visionary leadership in the church. In love, we submit together and that creates one mind, all right? When we obey the law of love, we can all be in one mind, one spirit, one purpose because nobody's acting like an idiot. Nobody wants to submit to stupid stuff, bad behaviors. If a leader gets off track, he doesn't lead in love. And then we're like, I can't submit to that. Yeah, everything starts to get disrupted. But if a leader is leading in love, then we ought to be in alignment. I was hoping for a bigger amen. That's okay. 
Romans 16, 17, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching that you have learned. Keep away from them. This is how serious it is to the Apostle Paul. He's saying, listen, I urge you to stay away from those people that cause divisions. If you hear even a person who is using words that are seeds of division, seeds become trees. They grow. A seed of division is as bad as a tree of division because it grows and it'll become one. In fact, it's a little sneakier because it's so small and it's under the ground and you cannot see it. But when you hear it, when you feel it, Paul says, run. Run. We don't look at division and divisiveness accurately enough. We don't look at it as poison. We don't look at it as destructive as it really is. We look at it like, oh, that's just okay. They're just venting. They're just frustrated. Okay, when you and I are frustrated, we don't have to undermine the body of Christ. Just saying, you're going to stand before Jesus for that. You're going to stand before him, and he's going to ask you this question. How did you treat my body? Why did you undermine my authority? If you undermine any authority, whose authority is it? God created all authority, and it's his. So if you're undermining any authority, you are undermining Jesus. You're going to stand in front of him. He's going to say, hey, why'd you do that? If you were that little weird-looking thing off of Trolls, you'd be pooping cupcakes. <laughs> Maybe that's what happens in heaven. I don't know. For as much as people are not serving our Lord... I just watched Trolls yesterday. Sorry, guys. For as much as people are not serving our Lord Christ but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Listen, the enemy is gonna crush the divider. I don't wanna be on his team participate in his nature and his ways and he took all authority from the devil and then he promised he's going to crush him awesome that's going to be great right now we need to not partner with him i want to be found faithful on god's team and i want to not partner with anybody who's throwing obstacles down in our way see we're running we're building and corinthians paul says to run the race as if to win I'm not just running this race to, to try to like, just so I was in it. Hey, I was in it, but I'm last place. I'm running to win. If we're going to do it, let's do it 100%. If we're building a church, let's do it 100%. If we're going to do it, let's do it in righteousness. I want to run to win. If we're running to win, we can't run around with people who are throwing like stuff in front of us while we're trying to run. Just tossing obstacles that you and I have to hurdle over to try to get past and move out of the way while we're trying to run. We need, we need a clear path. There's enough work to be done without 
someone throwing obstacles in our way. Division, divisiveness is one of the most deadly of poisons in the church. Matthew 12, 25, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If you and I participate in any kind of division, we won't make it. Even seeds of division can destroy an entire church. Can happen. Can disrupt an entire movement. You're responsible. You're responsible for you and the sphere around you, not just me. You have to look into your own heart. Is there seeds of division or the way that you talk? Are you developing and creating unity by the way you live and you love? Or disrupting and diminishing through division? You're the one that can answer that. The book of James, it talks about these two streams. And it's really in the context about our words. But this principle applies James 3, 7, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our God and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives and a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Don't bury it if it's in there. You gotta get this out. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Remember I said it was part of the devil's nature? This is demonic activity when we harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in our hearts. Those things create division, by the way. For where... Verse 16, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. If you see disorder, chaos, disruption, guess what's going on behind that? Unspiritual, demonic, earthly, envious, selfish ambition going on. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace, loving, considerate, look at this, submissive wisdom from heaven is submissive full of mercy and good fruit impartial and sincere you know sometimes we're submissive but not sincere <laughs> hello doesn't work if you're just pretending if there's something in your heart and you're denying the truth, and you're letting a seed go on in your heart, a seed of hurt, a seed of bitterness, selfishness, ambition. You're like, I don't want to be submitted to that, but I'll pretend like I am so I can move up in authority, and then when the time is right, I will raise my head up and create division so it can be about me or I can get my way and my agenda. 
If you have another agenda than to do the vision that God laid forward for the assignment on this church, please find another church. Don't raise up through the ranks and authority or try to cover it or whatever. If you can't be submitted to the, 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 the call and the assignment that God has given our church, then that's fine with me. No judgment. If you find another place, please, for the sake of my own peace. Verse 18, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Wow. Man, I want to sow peace. And does it sound good to reap a harvest of righteousness? Yeah, so we all got to buy in. There, nobody gets a pass. Sometimes as people move up in authority, they think, oh, now I'm an authority and I can behave differently. We all play by the same rules. Everybody operates in love, honor, respect, and we all have to build one another up. That's it. And we all have to sow peace. When we sow peace, we get a harvest of righteousness. Man, I want a harvest of righteousness. But one of the things you and I have to understand is this principle of the two streams. It, it, there are two streams. One is flowing fresh water. One is pumping salt water in. But I want you to think about it in the context of divisiveness, division, of demonic thinking, all right, is that if there is a freshwater stream and somebody puts arsenic in it, even the tiniest bit, you should not drink from that stream. You're going to die. Sin leads to what? All the time or just sometimes? Oh, all the time. Oh, sin always leads to death. So when we inject sin into our stream of righteousness, it leads to death. And so we cannot just say most of the time I'm submitted, most of the time my, my stream is pure, but there's just one person I just can't be submitted to. There's just one person I don't like the way they talk. I don't like the way they behave. I don't like the way they smell. I, they remind me of my dad. They remind me of somebody else who hurt me. And so I have the hardest time. So I have an excuse to behave in sin. And I'm going to undermine that authority. And oh, maybe I'm just doing it a little bit. Oh, maybe I just say a little few things about that person. And maybe when they tell me that I, to do something, they ask me to do something in the church, they go, I, in my heart, I go, okay, fine, I'll do it. But in my heart, I'm like, oh, I really don't like you. Just a little bit of leaven in the dough will cause the yeast, the, the leaven, to get into the whole thing and poison it all. A little bit in your stream. You don't get to have two streams in the kingdom. One stream. One stream that produces righteousness. It's driven by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's nature is what we're all called to be letting run and flow through our life. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Honor. Fruit of compassion. Love. Mercy. Okay, these are the things, humility, that come in and through the Holy Spirit, faith, right? These things build up the body of Christ. I can't be divisive and, di and diminish you, and you don't get to do it to me. Not if we want to have a pure stream. And that creates love and unity and trust and trustworthiness. Trust and trustworthiness attract the Holy Spirit.
because it builds unity. And in that unity comes multiplication. It's the only place that you'll find unity, I mean multiplication, is in the unity of the Spirit. When we find unity, there's synergy, and we get the best out of everybody's gifts, and then the momentum starts to take. And that's exciting. But when it grows and it happens, all of us are responsible to make sure we don't allow division to come in among us. We all have to make sure that we win with authority. Walk in righteousness and submit in love. See, authority figures can make all kinds of mistakes. And this is a lot of the times where it starts. I can imagine if authority was operating so well, we would just like go, wow, that's such a great example. And authority figures never made mistakes. Then feel like, oh, look at that. Let's live like that, right? But unfortunately, human beings are in authority. And we all make mistakes. So repentance and humility, reconciliation are necessary for us to stay in unity, not perfection. Reconciliation, humility, repentance, right? These are all necessary for us to stay in relationship because we're all going to make mistakes. Nobody's going to be perfect. Authorities can be bullies and they can abuse their power. They can use their power for selfish gain and manipulate to build their own kingdoms. They can also do nothing. Inaction can be as destructive, destructive as bad action. We see uh, David in this really amazing example that happens in 2 Samuel chapter 13. We see David, uh, he has a bunch of kids, you know, and him, like other people, have them with a bunch of wives, which was mistake, but he does. And Ammon, this is why I have a woman of, man of but one woman, one wife, right? Okay. Ammon's one of his sons. He gets super lustful over his sister, Tamar, who is Absalom's direct sister, but Tamar's his half-sister, right? And he gets totally overcome with lust, and then he ends up raping her, okay? And it's a really bad situation. And David gets angry but does nothing. David gets angry, but does nothing. And David is the king. And Absalom gets all fired up. He's like, why didn't you do something? So he takes matters into his own hands and he kills Ammon. Hello, Lord. Sorry, I thought that was for me. Jesus is going to give me a new word. He comes in and he he steps in the place of the authority, takes authority into his own hands because the authority, his authority figure was inactive, did not move. And that was a sin on David's part. David should have stepped in and protected his daughter and done the right thing, but he didn't. So Ammon took authority, I mean, Absalom took authority in his own hands. And so what happens is, is Absalom is now mad he goes away, and then, then David ends up letting him come back. And he sits at the gate for four years. For four years. He sits at the gate, and every delegate and every person that comes from every tribe, he listens to their problems with the king. He listens to them. And they all come to him, and he sympathizes with their problems with the authority figure. And then, guess what he does? He says, hey, listen, if I ever was in power, if I ever was the king, I'd fix that for you. And it says in the Bible that he stole the hearts of the people. Oh, my. 
And he goes off and he declares himself king and he creates a rebellion and they almost overthrow the king. But then God judges it. Absalom dies in the battle, but the kingdom was divided and fractured. It was very destructive. Many people died that day because of Absalom's sin. If you find yourself sitting at the gate for years, and oh, I don't understand it. People that have problems just come talk to me about them. People that have problems with the authority and the pastors in the church, they just come talk to me about them all the time. And I'm always, I mean, I don't know why they come talk to me. Just say, look out. Look out. You are an Absalom. Word of the day, don't be an Absalom. <laughs> Listen, you don't want to be that person. You're at the city gate turning the hearts of the people away from the authority. You're going to stand before God for that. You don't want to. I promise you, you don't. The other people go, listen, hey, you're going to do what the Bible says. Don't come talk to me about that authority. Have you gone to talk to them? We honor and respect and protect our authority. We're not saying they're perfect, but if they did something wrong and you have a problem, the Bible says you go to your brother or your sister who has offended you. It's your responsibility to go to the person when you've been offended to make it right. Not to go talk to other people and undermine them to get people on your side and to steal the hearts of the people and undermine the authority figures over you. If you're doing that, you're participating in a demonic spirit. Literally, not just Absalom. Absalom was partnering with Satan himself. And that's who you're partnering with. And you just got to imagine Satan standing next to you, and you're, next, and you're looking at Jesus going, yeah, we're buddies, we're partners. Do you literally want to stand and put your arm around the devil and say, he's my teammate to Jesus? I'm sorry, I'm going to like create some space between me and the devil over there. I'm going to say, like, you do your thing, I'm going to be submitted to God. If I have a problem with somebody, I'm going to have the courage to talk to them about it, to share with them and make an appeal in a godly and, and, and righteous way in humility and submission. I'm going to say, I understand that you're the authority figure here and I'm submitted to you, but I want to just make an appeal. I got hurt when this happened. No one else needs to know about it. If that person does not have righteousness and can't handle it, then you work your way up. You make another appeal. And you know what? You could be wrong. Still hurt, but wrong. Is that possible? And it's possible that the authority figure could be in the wrong too, and it's up to them to repent and make it right. And if they won't repent and make it right, you make an appeal, you try to stay submitted, you have options. You can run, you can stay silent, and you can ask for a reassignment. Amen? But you don't want to partner with the devil and disrupt and tear apart the kingdom of God. The only place that righteousness and real love is flowing through. Leaders making mistakes do not justify me poisoning my own stream are poisoning the stream of the kingdom. It doesn't. We gotta be willing to make it right. 
And someone else's failure does not give me the right to walk in sin and multiply that failure into total chaos and collapse. Because what happens is when when a leader makes a mistake, it does disrupt. It's big. But when we add our sin on top of that, we now multiply that sin and cause an explosion. We just throw bags of gunpowder on top of a fire, a campfire, all right? Don't do it. When we pile our sin on top of another person's sin, with somehow trying to bring justice, we only compound the effects of sin in our body. We only compound that sin's effectiveness to disrupt everything. You don't have to participate in the devil's games, right? You don't. We don't have to play games with him. We can walk in submission. We don't have to walk in rebellion. This is the thing I want you to think about as we're just sort of closing here. Is what is your relationship with your father like? Are you like Absalom with David? You have a hurt where your dad either made bad decisions, abused, harmed you, failed you, or just didn't move, didn't protect, didn't do what he was supposed to do. What do you think about this? Do you have a distrust for authority? If there's a distrust for authority, don't just cover it up and pretend like it's not there. And don't just go, well, Pastor said I have to leave. You don't have to leave. You can get well. And you can stay and be a part of a healthy church that's not going to make excuses. That's not going to run roughshod over you and pretend like that's righteousness. You can stay. You can get healthy and work through that authority hurt. But if you have a hurt with your dad, you are not going to be able to submit to authority until you work that out. Do you know all the churches that we planted? At all the churches, we planted like 100 churches. Pastor Dick said all the churches that had leaders that struggled with their dad all failed. Do you know that? It's like there was one common denominator. They all struggled in how to use authority well, and they all just got disrupted and collapsed and, and, and had major problems. And he said, I noticed they all struggled with their dads. What a great time to get our hearts right with our dads. And we didn't, I didn't plan this whole authority messages and series to end on Father's Day. It just happened because I don't really live on holiday schedules. It's kind of annoying me. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> I feel like it pushes me around. I'm like, ah, stupid American holiday schedule. I want to preach the word, okay? But it just happens to fall today. I do believe we need some healing and some forgiveness towards our dads. We should start there. It can't, it's not the only place where we're broken and struggling authority. But if you do struggle there, you will struggle with authority. And if you make that connection, you're like, yeah, I don't know why I struggle with authority. And you go, yeah, but my dad relationship is broken. But I've forgiven him. <laughs> no, no. You're not healed yet. Don't try to cover it. 
Eleanor, will you come prophesy? I know Eleanor has a word for us right on this very topic. I just felt to share very quickly that um, with my natural father, I had, we had experienced lots and lots of all kinds of abuse. And there came a walk, there came a time in my walk with the Lord that I needed to forgive him and to actually travel out of state to where his grave was and literally forgive him. And once I did that, there was, an, there was anger and rage that was buried so deep within me that lifted off from me, that helped me in my marriage. And then with spiritual abuse, there was a time when that happened and I literally needed to go and forgive and have it be a, have it be a, an everyday walk with my, with my Lord. And so I hear some of you saying today, well, I have the worst father. My father's absent. My father rejected me. I don't have a dad. I get it. And the Lord, he is. You know, when I went through the time of spiritual abuse and I wept and wept and wept before my Lord, he met with me. And for the very first time in my walk with him, I could actually say, I have, and this was maybe 15 years ago, I have a good, good heavenly father that I can say he is my Abba daddy. He is my Abba father. He revolutionized first my walk, my natural walk with my husband, and then my spiritual walk in, in the ministry. It goes like this. It, our walk with him, our heart. Let him do that in your heart today. Let him heal you. Because once he heals you, he revolutionizes your walk with him. And you become authentic. You become real. You become touchable. You become tangible. Before that, I couldn't, I couldn't touch people because I, I felt like I needed to be protected. I couldn't trust. Today, our good Heavenly Father wants to heal you. He wants to heal you, even the very youngest of you today even to the very eldest today. Heavenly Father, Hallelujah. 
Let us not be too proud to come up, Lord, to, to ask for prayer. Help us to fall on our faces today. Help us open our hearts to receive your healing touch from that father wound, from our natural fathers and spiritual authorities that truly the spirit of Elijah would come and heal the sons and the fathers and the fathers and the sons that we can walk a healthy walk in our families in our communities in our walk with you being healthy ministers being healthy daddies forgiving our our fathers for abusing us for rejecting us for abandoning us for hurting us for disappointing us give us a forgiving heart God God that we can truly be people and ministers of reconciliation thank you Lord you are doing something new today God you're closing the spiritual gap in the atmosphere and in our hearts you're bringing a unity in our mind and our soul and our spirit today. Wow. Young man, come forward today. I see young man. You need to come forward and receive the Lord Jesus Christ today. Let him heal you. It, it, there's many young people here. There's even elders here that you need to forgive your dads and forgive yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're just going to have the worship team not, not come out. Hopefully you guys are listening. And then the prayer team, if you come forward, just the prayer team. I know that we're getting ready to close here. Uh, yeah, prayer team, you can come. <clears throat> this is an important message. It's not just a word that you go, oh, we walked away. This is a shift in the way that we operate together. Amen. Will you stand with me? If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life today, Jesus says, it says this very simple, that you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. He becomes the supreme authority in your life, and that alignment with him begins to release genuine life in you. But most importantly, you're saved from your wrongdoings, from your sin. That's good news. You get to be in eternity in heaven with God and nothing can disrupt that. The enemy can never steal that from you. He can't take that peace from you. If you're here and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I wanna invite you to pray this with me. Pray, Jesus, fill my heart with you. I declare you, Jesus, as Lord, and I submit my life to you. Forgive me for my sin and change me forever. Amen. If you did that, I'm inviting you to come down as we close to prayer. Come pray with one of our prayer teams. Respond to the prophet. Listen to her words. He's drawing you. If there's a young person in here, multiple ones, you're like, that was me. I know I'm supposed to give my heart to Jesus. You come down and you get prayer. Not walk out of here. God loves you. He has a plan for you. He's going to transform your life today. I just want to pray really quick over this shift with fathers. I know we're going a little bit long, but let's pray. Father, 
We, we, we forgive our fathers right now, Lord Jesus. We forgive our fathers the way that they've hurt us. Any authority figures, spiritual authority figures, we break off the power of that bitterness and that hold that it's had on us. We release them now in Jesus' name, and we ask that by your blood and by your spirit, God, you'd cast all bitterness out into the sea of forgetfulness, Lord, and you would repair it and heal our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Help us to forgive. Help us to walk in true submission from our hearts to you, Lord. And we'd be submitted to your authority. And God, you'd make us a powerful, loving, indestructible church, God. A church that is so unified, our walls would be fortified with so much love and so much righteousness and godliness and humility that the enemy would never get a foothold in this church. And we would multiply. And we'd grow to thousands upon thousands upon thousands. Lord, and this whole state would hear your name, would hear your voice, would know you. And every person from this time until when you return Jesus would get a personal chance to receive you. Every single person until you come back gets a chance to receive you because of what we're building, God. We want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of that church that's sustainable and unmovable in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Please come and pray. We'll see you next week. Happy Father's Day. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.